What's up, y'all? It's your host, JP Flores, and welcome to the seventh episode of From Where Does It Stem? And I'm watching the late show in my flat all alone. Oh, I hate to spend the evening on my own. On this episode, I got the opportunity to sit down and chat with Justin Stewart, who is a graduate student in Amsterdam. They currently attend Varai Universiteit. Throughout this episode, Justin used his friend's name, but for anonymity, we will be using a different name instead. Enjoy! Hi, my name is Justin Stewart. I am a, oh my gosh, this is gonna sound like I'm stringing off all the, all of like the things I am. I'm a queer, non-binary, autistic, microbial ecologist. I'm a PhD student in VU Vrij uh, Universiteit in Amsterdam. Sorry for Dutch people if you hear that. I don't know how to pronounce where I go to school. I am also quite involved in a bunch of different systems. So I study things in soils, the atmosphere, subways, use satellites. Right now I'm working on crops and plants to harness resilience. But I also, aside from that in academia, I'm really passionate about diversity, inclusion and social justice and equity. So I'm also the Ecological Society of America's Microbial Ecology Section diversity representative. And I just left my master's at Villanova University with Peleg Kramer, where I was working as a diversity chair there. And now I'm trying to build a diversity department at the the FU in Amsterdam. So I guess that's who I am. I'm also just like a very innocent snail. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> that was perfect. Uh, fun fact. Oh, where'd you go to undergrad? And then a fun fact. Oh, yeah. So, oh, I should say this. Yeah, I am. I'm a Texan. I'm from Dallas. Oh. Went to college St. Edwards University in Austin. Not UT. Not UT, everybody. Um <laughs> Fun fact, I was on TV in the newspaper once because I named a cockroach uh, flashlight and I won a $20 prize. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> okay, so let's be real. How do you think of the tweets you send out? Like, do you put a lot of thought into it or is it just like, yo, I'm just going to tweet this? Oh, um, it depends on the day. Like yesterday I had a manuscript get rejected. Um, the editor just rejected it, but both the reviewers were like, this is a great, we say go ahead and publish it. So I just spitfired what was happening in my life. You know, I was biking home and I was to Fiona Apple. So let's tweet about that. And then, no, they just, they just really come really quick. Sometimes I'll have like, like a stock image saved of something I saw that was funny. So I'm waiting to use or, or a few other ones. Like I have this like woman who's really scared. So I'll just that. Yeah. I don't know. I expected this to blow up if you're not on science twitter i highly recommend getting it and then following me at the crow because i make jokes but it's also <laughs> a really great way to with other scientists about that like you're not alone there are other people like you in science you belong here you have a voice and people want you here it's just I, it's made science work for me and i had seen it work for other people so yeah, yeah. sorry i just had to ask because there i just look forward to those tweets every day <laughs> I bother people with them. It's so fun. Oh, yeah. it's so great. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so here we go. Let's get into it. So what were your upbringings like and how has this uh, shaped you? Oh, okay. Well, to be honest, 
I grew up as a upper middle class white person, which is, you know, it, it was nice, I guess. Um, although there, there were quite a few difficulties, you know, growing up on the spectrum, I, you know, lots of figuring out how to communicate with people, how to like therapy to learn how to make direct eye contact with someone that went on for about 16 years. And then other than that, I grew up in a semi-religious house. You know, I, I went to Catholic school my whole life. Now I'm at a Protestant place getting my PhD. So I've always been in some religious institution. I'm not really religious, which was really hard to marry together with being a queer person. Like I first, I came out as gay in high school at an all boys Catholic school of all places. And it was difficult. Everyone, everyone was fine with it. But uh, the hardest thing was growing up as like a disabled person in STEM or not in STEM, just as a person on the spectrum and learning how to communicate. Other than that, yeah, I had like Legos. It was nice. But still growing up, I I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) I'm not an adult despite being 25. So yeah, who knows? Just keep doing what you're doing. It seems like you're doing great. Like (laughs) spreading happiness all over the place. Yeah, but a lot of the scientists that I've talked to already they kind of talk about this need for a support system and having supportive communities. So what were your support systems like growing up? What were your communities like? Because it seems like you've just come from places where, you know, this is out of the norm almost, right? Yeah, um, I didn't really have them. I like my, I was really lucky because my parents and growing up with parents who had a little bit of money, they were able to send me to therapies and all these other things. And so I had some support groups. I was in and out of group therapy for quite a while. I would say like a three-year period with that. And it and it was helped. I made friends, but it was really hard. So I was very on my own until I was about 15. I didn't really have hang out with people or have friends. After a while, I like made a support group of people through a weird, like, oh God, this is gonna be so like that gay autistic kid became friends with his English teacher. Well, I did. Um <laughs> Like the head of the theology department, who was a who was a rampant atheist, but the head of the department, she and I became friends. Power duo, nice. Yeah. Oh, loved it. Loved <laughs> the one. So those became like these little support systems I had when I was first trying to figure out like how to navigate the world as a as a gay person. And then moving on to college, I thought that my friends would like the friends I made there would be my support system, and they are. I'm one of them is staying with me here right now, which is really nice. Hi, Richard Eisenglass. And they've been a support system, but to be honest, the support system, it's really yourself. It's like, I feel like I now have this new support system over the last couple of years where you've gained more confidence and realize that I'm capable. I don't care what other people are telling me. I can do this. Um, and then also, because this is a STEM podcast, 100%, 100% the labs I've been in th- have, have supported me so much. I, I went through some really difficult times in college, and I didn't know if I could go to grad school. I, I had horrible grades. I had to take calculus twice, and now I like watch videos on differential equations for fun. Your grade doesn't matter, people. It, it, your grade matters, but like you can you can make it happen, honey. My my undergrad PI was this amazing support system. I think of all these times we would go hiking to go collect soil, like in this uh, wilderness preserve in Austin, Texas. And they, I looked forward to these chats because they are like what kept me going throughout college. But everything's a lie. There's no support system. We're all on our own, and we're all these discrete <laughs> objects around in space. So that's yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So you're talking about like self-support and kind of like betting on yourself almost. What would you tell your younger self? Like what would you have told yourself in grade school, during your undergrad, and even right now during your PhD? Like what are you telling yourself? And would you say the same thing to a young person that may be listening? I'd say do whatever. Well, I maybe would change. Can I, am I allowed to curse? Oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. Do whatever you want. But like if you're saying this <laughs> to the child, but do what you want as 
you're bringing joy to yourself and or others and not causing harm to others. That's how I'm trying to live my life right now. I know it's quite reductionist, but it's working for me. Like this morning I got up and I put on this denim, like matching brown denim set. And I was like, oh, I look like I'm doing too much today. Oh, this is way too much. I have people, it's going to be weird. People are going to think I'm weird. But then I went out and I was like, you know what? I'm doing me. I'm not hurting anyone. Just like I'm staying in my lane. I'm doing my own thing, but also not staying in your lane. I hate that. I, don't know why I, said <laughs> that. I would say do what you want if it doesn't hurt anyone else. And it, and it, and you think it'll positively impact you. And I'm trying to do that more. And I've been doing that more over the last probably year or so that last year of my master's and then moving to Europe, I'm just like, you know what, everyone else can have their own journey. I'm going to have mine and I'm in charge of mine. I mean, largely like I can't like go live in Dubai. I don't have the money for that. I don't want to live in Dubai, but you know, <laughs> not, not good enough soil, you know? <laughs> oh, oh my God. Do not get me started on the engineered soil there and how they have community compositions. Cause yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you've had quite the journey in STEM, right? And I guess it's a rhetorical question to ask if you've ever felt isolated in STEM because of your identities, right? And I know you've done a lot of uh, diversity and inclusion work. Um, how can we better shape the education system to provide full inclusion? Like what, what have you been working on and what have you implemented in um, all the institutions that you've been at? So yeah, that's, it's something I'm still learning how to do. I'm still, I'm still new at this. And it, it's really hard to find ways to implement these. We have all these great ideas, like specifically at my master's where I was more, uh, more involved than I was in my undergrad, we were reshaping the way that we hire graduate student assistantships. So those are normally ranked, which for people who don't know, graduate students get paid to go to grad school. So if you're listening to this and you don't know if you wanna to go to grad school, often you can get paid to go. My friend, I'm trying to get him to go to grad school and he won't because he doesn't think he'll have money. So I'm like trying to shame him right now. <laughs> you're gonna get um, money. <laughs> gonna get not much but money we essentially we went in and they had this system where they just ranked people being like are they good or bad and they didn't take into account diversity at all so we reframed it having all applicants now add an adversity statement and we rank it as equally as we are ranking the other things so if we have two candidates where they both know how to do some statistics they both know how a map works they both can run a pcr that's fantastic but if we see one's clearly more diverse, then we're going to go for that candidate. Although I do have issues with how universities and other places look at it. They often look at the National Science Foundation's list of diversity requirements, and it's not perfect. Like, well, think they, about who made those requirements. In the exactly. Edit, it was you know? some white man. I'm thinking of a very specific soil scientist I had. I'll talk about that in a moment, Miss Ma'am. <laughs> but so we structured this, and we essentially... we got. Um, change that for the hiring policy for graduate student assistants, postdocs, and uh, lab tech. So we just hired a diverse lab tech, which is great. And one of the big questions I always have from people when I talk about this, not that like people are always coming out asking about it, <laughs> is, well, what about that other person who is equally qualified? And you just gave it to someone because they're more diverse. And my, my response is, you know, I, this may be an unpopular opinion, but if we don't do that, if we straight up don't do that, we are not going to change what the current state looks like so that nothing will change 10 years down the line. I don't care if you're upset. I don't care if maybe the other candidate might've gotten that gel run faster or maybe made that graph two days faster. The other person's just as capable. We're not in this race to do things, maybe COVID, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
it really doesn't matter as long as we're just trying to help people yeah. and make the world more equitable. Definitely. At, I'm also trying to do this with the Ecological Society of America. We are trying to find a way to have free memberships to mentor uh, Black, Indigenous, people of color. And I'm also trying to include uh, trans, queer, and not other non-binary people in this. Because I'm also, like, I've never, I've, I've had a Black professor. I've had an Indigenous professor. I mean, that also might be just because I was, like, in Texas. And, like, there's a lot of them there, which is great. Right. But I, trans professor or, like, a non-binary professor. And I really want to see that. And then the last thing I have is for, like, everyone on here. And I see, JP, you have this fantastic this is a super small thing. This is just, it's like a queer inclusion thing. You have your pronouns here. When pe I want, I love seeing them on everything for a couple of reasons. People are always like, but I know what I am and you know what I am. I know it's for, if you talk to someone new, when I zoom to find this PhD in Europe, I got a green flag because I saw them respecting pronouns and they were doing that. I was like, this is a safe space for me to exist as a, as a queer person. And you know what? I'm gonna say it. I I don't. It may not always be true, but for people of color, they may also feel more safe. And are you more likely to feel safe in an environment where people are thinking about queer inclusion or one where they're not thinking about it? So oh, like the person's person. more inclusive. Yeah. So adding them to little things like an email signature, where anywhere you may interact with someone, is a wonderful, fast, easy, nonverbal signal to say, "Hey, I'm a. This is a safe space. We want you here to do your science here to do whatever you need. You need to be here. We got you." So that's like another little mission. And so I just had that added to the American Journal of Physiology lung section for publications. Awesome. Now they can include non-binary non people, which is great. Yes. So that's a lot of words I gave you. Ask me another question. No, that was perfect. That was perfect. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. So I know. <laughs> so it seems like you've done a lot of work in like graduate studies, right? And a lot of people like talking about affecting the younger generations, right? So not just undergrads, but also elementary, middle, high school kids, right? What, um, mm -hmm. what do you think we can do at younger levels? Like maybe for me as an undergrad or and high schoolers? Um, I'm going to go a little, little younger to talk about something I've done. Um, if, that's, if that's okay. That's I perfect. think that faster, the earlier you get to them, the, the quicker we can get them into science and change the current state and make it better and more equitable. In Philadelphia, we, my professors, Kavindra Shakya and Pella Kramer in the Geography and Environmental Science Department, they organized a course where we went out to the Boys and Girls Club of America in Philadelphia, which if you don't know, Philadelphia is not a very white city. Uh, we went out to these low-income, high-minority neighborhoods and we essentially taught them about air pollution, spatial mapping, how to use Excel, all these skills, these little things that they could put on for high school applications, grant applications, college applications, and gave them these skills for, for kids who were ranging from, I would probably say like seven to 13 years old. And all, obviously a lot of them, you know, didn't care. They're like, why do I care about Microsoft Excel or a map? But some of them really got it. And I just think that it, young exposure is more important. So I'm not at this point in my career where I can change this, but if you're able to create social, if we're having, the world is revolving, is changing, I hope to have better dialogues around social justice and equity. And if we're able to incorporate that as courses, like a curriculum-based undergraduate research experience for undergraduates to go out and learn something themselves and then have to teach that to other youths who've been disenfranchised based off of any number of different variables, I think that is such a really easy, powerful way to get things done. And honestly, what are we doing when we're doing that? We're taking care of our community. 
And that's all we're doing science for. We are only doing science to take care of our community. People can be like, we're doing this for pure theory, whatever, but I really don't care. I'm like, we're doing this because we want to make sure that the world is safe and healthy for everyone. Preach. See, I, I think you need to like, just put, put tweets together and just send these out as well. You know, I also like, I know it's 7am here, but I just want to grab a beer right now. Cause this is, you got me wild up. <laughs> you can grab a beer. I, I'm honestly so tempted. Justin, I hope you know that like, if you ever need anything, I want to be your friend, like huge friend crush on you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're friends, we're friends. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways. So do you have any advice for those that feel like they don't belong in STEM and share your similar identities? Like, let's say you were at this grade school or high school and you're noticing that someone is super interested in everything that you're teaching. Right. But they're just so discouraged. What would you tell them to kind of like, just push them just a little bit. Right. Cause in, in my undergrad experience, I almost just dropped out of STEM and like calculus was too hard. Gen chem was too hard, but it took a senior to kind of like sit down with me and be like, Hey, trust me, like we're people of color. We got this. Like, do you have any advice? For I, I almost dropped out of STEM too with my, I graduated with a 2.6 GPA and I almost dropped out. Cause was like, I, there's no home for me, but my professor told me, she was like, what is the harm in trying? First of all, just try things because you know, what's great. A lot of people get scared and don't try things. If you apply how a lot of the times I feel like things happen because people don't try. But then of course, there's all these boundaries and barriers and other things. I'd say that right now, I think we're working on building an infrastructure through different like mentorship programs. There's like with ESA, there's something called seeds. It's really hard though. I don't have a concrete answer for that. And that's great that for something more for me to think about how I can, I can actually get to people at, at schools where they don't have these populations where that someone is there to say, you belong here. We got you. We're going to learn how to, we're going to get through this together. If you're listening to this, you can find me and DM me. I would be more than happy to talk you through this. Look at your like proposals or anything. Not saying that my like viewpoint is correct or good. I might rip apart your statistics, but you know, I, I, I'm here for that. And I, I look forward to continuing in my roles, creating a space that's safe where people can ask these questions, no matter where they're from. Yeah. Just, just for context, everyone, I literally just DM'd Justin and it just so happened that he replied. So it was perfect. Mm -hmm. um, so what are your thoughts on the importance of mentorship and how does it feel potentially being a mentor and like inspiring and empowering others? Have you ever had that feeling of mentorship? Do you know that photo of Lois from Family Guy? She's in the car and she's like putting a cigarette out on her arm. It yes. feels so mentor. Oh my God. It's like set. No, it's not. Um, it's so <laughs> good to see something. And I, it's the most powerful thing. One, it you have to ask what are your career goals? Like I would like to be a teacher. I want to teach people. So I mentor because it helps me with that. But I'm also able to change the current state of what I'm seeing with people. I would not be where I am if it wasn't for a woman named Teresa Belinsky who asked me to go collect soil with her one day and I saw a weird graph and, I, and I'm here live, doing this now. I think that even if you're an undergraduate, you can mentor others. You find a, find a younger person in your lab or even outside your lab. Like you can just talk to people. Life is literally all about these relationships we're trying to build with people. They don't need these formal names or anything. I mentored people in my undergrad, just little things, whatever skill you learn in your lab, go talk to someone and say, Hey, I want to teach someone else new this because once I leave, I want someone else to continue this on. I think it is the cornerstone of this unending academic progression that's been going on since, I don't know, when did academia start? Like the, 
dark times. I don't know. Whenever academia started. BC something. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Sounded like that. Yeah. How does it feel to be at this point in your career in STEM? I feel like you've just accomplished a lot. And oh, oh, and I remember reading a tweet about how you were able to garner support from your faculty. What was that all about? Um, that was good. I, I'll answer the first and get to the second. Um, feels freaking great. I'm living in Europe on this amazing PhD project, which I, I have to mention it now. It's called MyCrop. It's microbial imprinting for crop resilience. We're harnessing the power of the microbiome across domesticated and wild plants to ensure global food sustainability and make sure that we all don't like die. I'm living the dream. I'm very happy. And I know this is not what everyone's does in academia. I came into a fully funded grant. So I'm quite happy, but that's great. But recently in my department, I did have a talk on diversity inclusion. I went to my PIs. I have two Toby Kears and James Whedon. And I was like, Hey, I love being here, but I'm worried about some of our inclusivity stuff. And they were completely open to it. And I was able to give a discussion at our weekly Monday morning meetings. And I was able to, you know, get like 15 minutes of the floor to talk directly to everyone. And it went really, really well. I was able to get them to understand why we are actively trying to include, I, I was focusing on queer people at that point. I need, we're, I'm trying to figure out how to build a task force. I hate saying task force. I freaking hate it because me like, too. everyone knows the problem. Like everyone, so the pro- I, I'm trying to change the way that my school recruits. Although we recruit generally from a quite diverse population already. Mm-hmm. Like at, globally, we have people from like all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, it just, it feels great. I feel validated. Find a department. My su- advice to people is <laughs> ask them how they are taking diversity as something that's important. Remember, if you apply to grad school, you're interviewing them too. If you don't see that they're giving you respect or validation, get out of there. A school right outside of Philadelphia, like attacked me on Twitter when I said, I didn't find it the right fit for me. Never, never said them by name, but they did not respect me as a student. So respect yourself and respect other people. You're beautiful and I love you. Yes, Justin. That's what we need to hear. <laughs> so Justin, what is this uh, MyCrop project? Oh, okay. So it's essentially what I'm working on for my PhD with a bunch of other people. I'm working with people at the University of Amsterdam, Wageningen, which is Wageningen is how it's spelled. Um, Utrecht, Groningen, I think. I'm working with a lot of people. We're essentially seeing how microbes in their plants talk to each other on their roots and how can we predict that. I'm working on like the global evolutionary biogeography of that to see whether or not plants are different based off of the, where they're from, like their geographic center of origin versus whether or not they've been domesticated. It's a lot of really fun work. We're doing spatial analyses, multi-omics. It's lots of DNA sequencing, proteomics. So many wonderful people I'm working on with it. If you ever want to check it out, it's the website's like MyCrop Research. Ask if we have questions or it all want to collaborate. It's super fun. But yeah, thanks for asking. How, how has the cultural shift played a role in all this? I, you were in America, then now you're in, you're in Europe. It like feels very similar. I was in Philadelphia and then I found that kind of like, this looks kind of like people are going to hate me for this, but like they're like row homes and it looks like Philly or Brooklyn. Uh, Like it's not (laughs) different. The biggest difference is no one eats spicy food and everyone speaks Dutch. And all I know is kaas and verdoma. And that means cheese and God damn it. (laughs) So it can be intimidating. And my, I was going to say, if you do move abroad or move to a new city, even in the same state or country, you will meet new people. That's inevitable. Okay. That it's scary. It's terrifying. It's the best decision I've ever made in my life. Do it. Go somewhere away from home. You will grow so much. Culture shock is crazy, though. Yeah. Oh, I bet. 
<laughs> um, they make fun of me because I have tortillas. Because you what? Like I grew up, because they don't have tortillas here. They call them wrap. And I make my own tortillas. Like I grew up in Texas. I need a freaking tortilla. <laughs> oh, and a certain person lab is like, thought I was crazy because I made tortillas. That's all. Okay. I'm past what? that. What? Oh my, the culture, culture shock's weird. Like I, I've never left LA. Like I can't relate. So it just, it's just weird to me how that's a thing. Um, have you eaten squirrel? Have you jam the jam? Did you say if I, have, had you, did you Hold just on. ask me if I've eaten a squirrel? No, not eaten a squirrel. <laughs> what? I am coming with a book. I'm ready. Squirrel? <laughs> what? Oh, okay. S-Q-I-R-L. Gotcha. Gotcha. Have you been there? I have not. No, where is that? It's in LA. It's the only reason I will go to LA. Oh, really? Okay. Justin, if you ever want to come out to LA, just let me know. Like, I'll show you around. Trust me, I got you. Yeah. We can go to Squirrel. <laughs> oh, I am specifically this, the Sorrel Rice Bowl. Yeah. I'm craving it. That's all. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. Whew. All right. Where was I? Okay. So let's say, Justin, you, all of a sudden you were high, you got promoted to be the president of your university and you were in charge of diversity inclusion and you were heading all your science departments, right? What would mm-hmm. you do to diversify and implement full inclusion initiatives in your institution? Like steps, not just application process, recruiting. Is there anything else that you Do can I do? have money? Oh, you have all the money in the world. You have Harvard endowment money. Oh God, no, I don't, we won't like Harvard. <laughs> Harvard, if you're hiring later, hire me. Um, <laughs> first thing I would do is add on, we, with the money that I apparently have, we're going to add on new professors, add a new yes. one or two from each department, diversity hire, straight up. We're a, a call for, like I'm an ecologist, a call for another kind of ecologist. I don't really care what they do as long as it's not like, <laughs> I specific one kind of ant that lives in one place. We're not going to hire another, you know, straight up. Just why yeah. not? Yeah, let's no, exactly. In here, let's, let's get let's get a trans professor. Let's do let's ha- let's have everybody. It's the diversity explosion, <laughs> just a bomb. <laughs> An explosion of diversity. Oh my god, this department's so diverse. I'm just gonna explode. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> exactly. I know people are like, it's a diversity hire, but you know what? They're there for a reason too. They can do the science, they can do the math, they can do whatever the hell they're there to do. Second thing I would do is try to add on a GA GA ship that is specifically in our diversity one at least. Third thing, internal audit of the department. Well, probably first, actually, an internal audit of every department. <laughs> what is our current state? Is that not correct? And how do we change it? Let's see what else. Oh, there's this bit, this a really annoying one. At the Free University Amsterdam, if you're listening to this, Voo, um, <laughs> when you, you have to be wearing clothes for a man or clothes for a woman, why do you care what we're wearing? It's completely absurd. Why? I, yeah. Other than that, I think I would also try to, our, Amsterdam is an expat city. It's cities where expa- expatriate, if people don't know what expat is, they probably do. Yeah. We're not, I don't, we're, we're recruiting a lot from the United States. Like I'm from the United States, a couple other people from the United States. We have people from France. We have people from Germany. We have people from China, but I don't really see anyone from Latin America. I would start like paying money to advertise there. Like I, yeah. like, we, I don't think we're necessarily advertising in the right places. Although I would have to say my university in the city is the most diverse of all the other universities in Amsterdam. So, but there's still an accessibility issue. Yeah. 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 Okay. Those are all the formal questions I have for you, but I did want to ask about your experiences with ASD. Like how has that affected your learning? How has that affected yourself in STEM basically? Yeah. I being queer, not as much. Although like before I, when I interview, like have talked to places about like, Hey, I want to go to grad school here. I do straight up ask the question, is it safe to be a queer person in this city? 
will I be attacked? Because yeah. I applied to a PhD in Tennessee and they were like, well, you'll be fine. But then I, you know, I applied to ones in Amsterdam and they're like, oh, nobody, you're totally great. It's like, it's yeah. the city's full of, full of you. So, and, and, and it's honestly a real question. It's like, I've had like things yelled at me. I've had, you know, people not, I'm lucky. I haven't had like been assaulted, right. but uh, you know, fear I have. Uh, I don't know what will happen always, but autism. Yeah. I have always needed a very specific kind of professor to work with. I think like one who they will let me sit instead of them sitting down and talking to me. I need one who lets me just interrupt and talk back and forth and like be fine with my brain being 300 different places at once and and maybe not knowing how to be appropriately say something. I might be really direct and they'll be like, can you do this? And I'll say, no, I do not want to do that. Mm-hmm. I like, it's been a learning curve. And what's really interesting is it was a lot harder when I was younger, like really hard behaviorally. And it's gotten better over time through therapy, medicine, and just learning like how to be a person. And it's I should clarify, I have, I'm very high functioning on the spectrum, but at the same time, that doesn't mean I'm perfect. Like there are days where nothing right. goes well. Like yesterday, very, after this, that manuscript reject, I got very like OCD and obsessive, which are comorbid things I have with autism. And just like I spiraled and I, I did, I wasn't able to communicate very well. And my, my friend who's here could attest to that, <laughs> but I, it's just, you need to find someone who's sympathetic and wants to communicate. Cause like the goal, I don't know, there's, there's two types of people. I feel like you work with the ones who want to use you for their own career. And then the ones who really want to make someone that they want to see, they want to work with the rest of their career. Yeah. They want to, they want this to be someone who's their friend. And that's what I've needed to, to work for me. And I've met a lot of trouble with that. And I, I will like, this is a bias in STEM, but I have gravitated towards women. They've been more compassionate about it. Although I have to say there is a burden on, on females and, or I hate saying females. I sound like someone who's like on um, <laughs> Reddit, the one of the, like the, the ones who never have sex. Um, <laughs> incel. I, yeah. <laughs> students feel more comfortable to go talk with them about their emotional side than they do to a male professor. And so I've gravitated towards that. And I, I want to make sure people know not to put that pressure on them. Put it on the men too. Yeah. Men cry. I can you attest. look like you a bit. Oh, I cry all the time. Yeah. And I will tell everyone that. I don't care. <laughs> um, no, it's it's been better. Uh, one thing I do let my professors know is, hey, I'm on the spectrum. It's going to be blunt. I'm, you know, I may not always get the social cues, know what to do, but I'm here and I want to be here. And I'm looking forward to like, getting I, I asked directly for feedback when I started here I want to ask for feedback yeah it's awesome I, you're like Justin you were like pretty high here now you're like here oh I thought you me. were like energy wise oh no 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 right. no <laughs> I, I need this people need this during the pandemic but how are you during this pandemic how's your mental health how's your family family is fine mental health is okay you know in the beginning and I when I was in Philadelphia it was hard so like Philly and New York it were in DC were hit pretty bad for in the beginning yeah. So the quarantine was fine. I made a quarantine friend and then uh, we stopped being friends. It's good. I just really, really want to travel and like see things as I move to Europe. But I know it's socially irresponsible to do something like that. And I just feel very fortunate that I have a job right now yeah. that I'm able to do this and I'm able to take care of myself and that I'm able to quarantine and, and take care of myself and others. And I have that it's, it's not a right to be able to do that. A lot of people have to go out and work. So it's it's an opportunity I'm really happy about. Yeah. Did okay. you hear that? <laughs> his name Richard Eisenglass. 
Okay, you ready to go into some fun questions now? Oh, yes. So let's say you finally get that paper published in Nature or Cell. The reviewers all approved your work. Everything looks great. You want to go out and celebrate and you want to go out and eat or like have a drink or something. What song are you trying to play first in celebration? Oh, oh man. <laughs> so it'll change a lot. You can list three. Um, I can list three? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, fuck. <laughs> uh, so Hot You're Hurting My Feelings by Caroline Polachek. <laughs> yeah, these aren't like dance songs. These are just like what I'm feeling. Yeah. Oh, Gimme, 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 the song from ABBA, but the share cover. Yes. And Cutie Pie by Peg Mafia. <laughs> I feel like LA yeah. music is a lot similar to what people listen to in Amsterdam. I don't know. It's a pretty diverse set of music. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're, if you're doing karaoke, would you say the same things? Would you say the same songs? I simply wouldn't do karaoke. Really? Come on. Okay, you, I you did don't do like karaoke. drinking and singing. I've done karaoke once. I went to Japan by myself and <laughs> I went to a karaoke place by myself and I sang Tina Turner. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, next question. What is your most prized possession and why? Can it be this cup? No, I'm kidding. Oh, oh, I know. Um, can this be part of the peg for or like the the thing your little thing <laughs> yeah so it's yes. this lip that alexa bogran painted for me a Ooh. wonderful graphic design boxes that's awesome um right now we're gonna go with the snail otherwise i don't know <laughs> my own i i don't know do you want this to be a highlight or like a like a video highlight or do you want this as like the actual post you holding the snail <laughs> oh it can be holding the snail <laughs> okay awesome hold on ah! <laughs> perfect perfect <laughs> Okay, great. Awesome. And That's then, my snail, probably. Yeah. And then, what is your proudest accomplishment or happiest memory and why? Yeah. Mm. No, oh, no. Okay, I'm giving two because one's going to be linked to my professional life, but then we also have to remember that life is so much more than anything that you do in your professional life. Exactly. Um, first one, I moved to fucking Europe to become a... <laughs> Excuse us. <Yes. laughs> that? Yeah. Personally... I would say it's the friendships I maintained after going through so many difficult things like on the spectrum as a child. Like I, for quite a while was like, you know, there was like a five year period where I was like, I didn't hang out with anybody ever other than my family. So I have friends, that's my personal accomplishment. You can put me on that list as well, please. <laughs> but Justin, like, I don't wanna take up a lot of your time. Uh, I know you're a busy grad student and I know you wanna be out hanging out with- Richard Eisenglass. <laughs> But that's all the questions I have for you. No, this has been great. Yeah. Whole time I got the vice grip. Yeah. Triggers busting, niggas ducking. I got the right clip. Good man is all the damage a nigga might tip. Drop a bow for the passion and it's a Kodak moment a nigga might drift. I work smarter and harder. This is a life tip. Can't get your show on the road. Niggas need a pilot. Uh. Your niggas trash, so slave. No way I'm silent. Matter of fact, you slave. No matter who niggas sign with.